0: been going on. It's fine. Yeah, life happened a lot. Yeah, it finds a way. It sure fucking does. <laughs> and now we are back. Episode yeah. five. Fuck, is that it? Yeah. Jesus Christ, it I feels know, like we've right? been doing this forever. I know. Um, so episode five, The Bad Dad Club. I'm Ariana. I'm Jess. And this is the podcast where we talk about bad dads in general. Yeah. yeah. It's what we do. It's kind of our jam. Uh, So last time we talked about Jack Torrance, book Jack Torrance, not movie Jack Torrance. Oh, we talked about him too, but... A little bit. Not last time. But it's been a while, so unfortunately we're kind of going back to an episode, it's like one of the lost episodes, basically. We already, we got four episodes out and we already have a lost one. Yeah, so essentially what happened last time was we tried to record this episode and like fucking everything that could go wrong went wrong. Um, not necessarily with the equipment, but, like, with everything that was happening in the house. Like, the dog wouldn't stop barking, and, like, the cat was scratching on everything, and... The power guy showed up for some reason. Yeah, and he was like, Where's the water valve in your basement? And I was Maybe like, Maybe it wasn't the power guy then. Maybe I was it was like, the water guy. Buddy, I am, uh, this is completely out of my wheelhouse. I'm talking about like podcast ads. You're expecting me to know like useful things? I just live here, buddy. Yeah, like, do you think I go in that basement? That basement is a horror show. The basement's a nightmare. So, anyway, this episode is about Frollo from Hunchback of Notre Dame, the Disney movie. Yeah, not the book. Because I wasn't about to read two books in a row for y'all. Also, that one, I mean, it's big. It's a big old book. That is and The Shining big old book. was already a big old book. Yeah, so uh, today we're doing the Disney classic, Hunchback of Notre Dame, year of release, 1996. I was either five or six years old when this movie came out, depending on what time of year. It's a long time ago. It's a lot of sodium. <laughs> like that's. Every time I look at that number, I'm just like, oh my god. I'm so fucking old. <laughs> Horrible. You really are fucking old. I am. Uh, director Gary Truesdale and Kirk Wise. Stars Tom Hulse as Quasimodo, Tony J as Frollo, and then like a whole whack of other famous people. You got Demi Moore and Kevin Klein. Yep. And Jason Alexander, aka me. it's like watching jason alexander in this movie being like a fat obnoxious horrible gargoyle i'm like oh that's literally me (laughs) how did disney predict that that's what i was going to turn into they just knew they knew they gave you the option of either jason alexander's gargoyle in this movie or Cusco, and you you chose (laughs) well yeah but i also feel like there's Ample amounts of Cusco. Oh, in you're there. definitely cute, Cusco. A lot. So this. I mean, they very like similar. They're both just hybrid. like obnoxious. <laughs> it's this horrible hybrid of ego and gluttony. Yeah. And because uh, I mean, why not? I'm okay with that. I live your life. Yeah. Anyway, quick overview in case you haven't seen this movie or if it's been, like, a hot second since you have seen this movie. Uh, Quasimodo is forced to live in Notre Dame as the bell ringer. Frollo isolates him, but Quasi defies him. Frollo is killing the French Roma people. It's a fun song and dance for the whole family. Like, that's, that's really what it comes down to, right? Like, Frollo essentially tells Quasi... He's not allowed to leave the bell tower. Quasi's like, all I ever wanted was to leave this bell tower. So he does. Frollo's like, hey, fuck you specifically. And then also, while I'm here, fuck the Roma. Well, he was already trying to fuck the Roma. Yeah. Like, literally and figuratively. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. This movie's dark. It's super dark. And so it's weird when, like, they bust into song about how, like,. The festival is happening. The city of Paris is burning with romance or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, it's literally on fire. Yeah. There's a, yeah. So Lindsay Ellis is a YouTuber who does like social commentary and she did yes, a whole... We're fucking plugging people here. But yeah, there you okay. go. Um, she did a whole episode of her show um, about like the tonal, uh, how do I want to say this? the tonal Whiplash. Whiplash of, of Hunchback of Notre Dame, where you've got literally people in nooses... And, like, in torture devices, but they're all, like, singing happy songs and shit. And it's just, like, this is weird for a kid's movie. A little bit. This is a little, like... I feel like this is what David Lynch is supposed to be like, but I don't understand David no, Lynch. I'm say it feels more like Monty Python. Yeah, I guess, in yeah. a way. But that's not so much meant for children. <laughs> right. <laughs> and you're supposed to, like, see the dark shit and be like, oh, this is fucked up. Right. Like... Yeah. I can clearly say that I saw that shit way too young. You did, yeah. Gita was like, hey, have you ever seen this movie, Child Who is Four Years Old? And I was like, no. I'm four. And I'm four. I haven't seen anything. <laughs> yeah. I was like, pretty much, what would I have seen? 1993 or 1994, Disney-wise. The Lion like, King. The Lion King came out in 94, so if you saw it in theaters, you would have seen it. Yeah. Which, I doubt. I saw it in theaters. I remember seeing it in theaters. Um... Little Mermaid, did you have that? Oh yeah, I've seen, like, by that point, I'd seen the classics, because they were out on VHS. Mm-hmm. So I'd seen, like, The Jungle Book, and Beauty and the Beast, and The Little Mermaid, and The Great Mouse Detective, which is still the Okay, best we don't one. need to go over the entire <laughs> Disney, like, filmography here. However, <clears throat> this movie, this movie's fucking weird with that shit. And you're right, it is kind of Monty Python-y. But it's... It's not really funny, though. It's not. <laughs> so It's really not. Like, yeah, Monty Python jokes about uh, sensitive subjects, we'll say. Like, all of Life of Brian is essentially a sensitive subject. Yes. Um, a lot of the shit in Meaning of Life is a sensitive subject. A lot of it is inappropriate for children. Like, when Graham Chapman opens the fucking doors to his house and his schlanger is out and everybody's, like, worshipping him. Like, probably not something you need to see when you're five years old, dealer. But <laughs> this movie does that without any payoff. Yeah. Like, a lot of it is just, like, you're watching this as an adult and you're just kind of like, I'm sorry, what the fuck did I just see? Yeah, it's, it's a little too jarring. Like, they like, I didn't think it through. There's so much- Involved in this one, uh, that I think, like Frollo, really exemplifies like the really scary tonal shifts in this because, like, he is like so. So last time when we talked about Jack, Jack's kind of like a middle of the road bad dad. Frollo is like we're talking like more on the spectrum. If he's if he's on the spectrum of bad dads, he's on like the Darth Vader side as opposed to like book Jack Torrance. Well, yeah, I mean. He tries to commit a genocide. Yeah, there's that. He he. We literally watch him murder somebody in the opening number. We do, yeah. So, and that's not the only person you see him murder. No. Or try so, to murder. Uh, the first murder, um, you know what? No, we're going to go in order. We're going to go in order. There are commandments in place for a reason. You have to do all the commandments in order? Well, no. Are, they, are, the, are the real commandments listed in order of importance? Yes. Of course they are. Number oh one is worship no other god other than yeah, me. Yeah, the first five are all about only worshiping God. Like, get off your own dick. Well, Fuck. no, he's God. Like, he, he is the morning and the evening dick. <laughs> like, <laughs> that is how it works. Just stop ramming it down my throat. Yeah, well, god. too bad. He is omnipresent. So even when you don't think he's down your throat, he's not only down your throat, but up your ass as well. I mean, look. This is why the explicit tag is on this podcast. I was not raised with religion, so... Alright, let's do a fucking rundown. Um, just the, the basic commandments without jumping into them too hard. Uh, don't kill your kids. Don't physically, emotionally, psychologically, or sexually abuse your kids. Don't harm or kill others. Don't abuse your spouse. Don't commit infidelity. Don't use your addiction as an excuse for bad behavior. Uh, don't be bad to your parents and family. Don't lead a life of crime, and don't be a giant fucking liar. So let's start. Don't kill your kids. Okay, technically, technically, like I'm not, I'm not saying this in defense of Frollo at sure, all. No. I'm sure, just sure, saying sure. that we need to get it out there. Quasimodo is not Frollo's like biological child. He steals him from the woman that he murders. Well, because he wants to murder him! Yeah. Yeah, he tries to murder him in the very beginning, in the opening number. After he kills his mother, he tries to murder the baby. Yep. Um, Worth noting that Quasimodo is also Roma. Yes. If if not fully, then at least definitely half. Yeah. So this is, like, literally right in the, the genocide playbook. Yes, it is. Yeah. So, yeah. So Frollo... Kills Quasi's mom on the fucking steps of Notre Dame. Yeah. Oh my God. And then the archdeacon comes out and he's like, what the fuck is going on on this blessed day? And there's like a dead woman there and Frollo standing over a well with a baby. And like, could you imagine? Like, I was thinking about this after we like recorded the last one. I feel so bad for the archdeacon. Yeah. Yeah. He's just trying to, like, run a church, and he's got this fucking crazy judge running around, fucking drowning babies and shit. Murdering women, killing kids, openly creating hostility between the white Parisians and the Roma. Like, I mean, that part sounds pretty, like, standardly European, but, like, still a yikes. It's not great. Um, So, I, I mean, I was, I guess, gonna argue... That the first time he tries to kill Quasimodo, he's not really his son. Yeah, I mean, I suppose. But then, later on, he tries to kill him again when he is his son. So, yeah, like, so, like, then the Archdeacon... Point. So, so okay, to picture this, Frollo... To picture this. Frollo and his, I don't know, fucking... He looks deranged at this point. He always kind of looks deranged. But he's he holding looks, a like, baby by the swaddle over a well, and the Archdeacon's like... No, you have, like, literally murdered an innocent woman on the steps of, like, the fucking church. While she was trying to get sanctuary. Like, she was yelling sanctuary and the yeah. door just wouldn't Like, open. there's just so much that is, like, fundamentally illegal. Not only immoral, but, like, literally illegal at this point. And then, like, Frollo, basically, Clopin tells us in, like, the narrative that for the first time in his life, Frollo is, like, worried about the sins that he's committed re his immortal soul. And he's like, oh God, what do I do? And the Archdeacon's like, you have to take care of her child as if it's your own. Frollo immediately turns around to the Archdeacon. He's like, I'm supposed to be saddled with this misshapen. And I'm like, oh my God, Frollo, like perspective, buddy. If you are worried this much about your soul, he's not, he's not. He's he sees corruption not. everywhere except within." True. Um, but yeah, anyway, so he basically ponies up, and he's like, fine, I will raise this child, but I want literally nothing to do with him. He's going to live in your church. Yeah. And the archdeacon's like, um, That's not raising the child, the but okay. Well, f- fuck, okay, I guess. And I think at this point, the archdeacon's like, at least Frollo... I didn't just watch Frollo drown a baby. And if he's in the church... It's, like, unlimited sanctuary. Right. Whereas if he goes and lives in Frollo's Palace of Justice or his house or something, he's... Oh, that baby would mysteriously disappear. Oh my god, so many bad things would happen to this baby. He'd if it be... even survived, like, a week of being yeah. there. Yeah. So, don't kill your kids. I mean, there's that. That's their. That's the first time they meet. Yeah. And then later on in the movie, he, like, Notre Dame is burning. Quasimodo's trying to save... Esmeralda. Yeah, very and, end of the movie. And Frollo, like, goes full possession or He's full He's not possessed. Or He's whatever. a man who hates other people. It's true. Um, That's true. human. Frollo hates the disabled and the Roma. Yeah. Um... And he, like, is wielding a fucking sword. I don't understand where this sword comes from and how this gangly Yzma-looking motherfucker can climb around Notre Dame with this giant broadsword. It's a cartoon. I understand that, but at the <clears> same <throat> time, I'm just like, y'all. He had trouble, like, fucking taking out a fucking dagger to stab Quasimodo. Yeah, because he'd been, like, chucked around and inhaled a whole bunch of smoke. He was injured by that point. <sighs> anyway. So anyway, he tries to stab Quasimodo. Twice. So, actually, he tries to kill him three separate times. The the last two are kind of very close together, but... It's almost like the same time. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Anyways, not great. Yeah, no, definitely not great. You do not pass this one. No. Number two. Don't physically, emotionally, psychologically, or sexually abuse your kid. Well, that's the whole... Every We, we, we talked about the beginning of the movie where he tries to kill Quasimodo. We talked about the end of the movie where he tries to kill Quasimodo. The, uh... Emotional and psychological, especially abuse, is the entire rest of that uh, bad dad sandwich. Yeah, that is a bad dad bad dad sandwich, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like you walk into a deli and you're like, oh yeah, can I get can like, I get a bad dad sandwich? <laughs> yeah. <No." laughs> and then Frollo's behind the counter. And he's like he's telling like you about smacking how kids. Yeah, <laughs> like telling you about how he wishes that he had like drowned that baby. Um, yeah, no, there's a lot. So, like, by sticking Quasimodo in Notre Dame, Isolation. he has effectively isolated him from the rest of and he Norwegian forbids life. him from leaving the church. He's not allowed to go into the city. Which, like, okay, I want to ask this just as like a, a open discussion question. It's been forever since I read the Victor Hugo one. Does Frollo have a reason for making him not leave? Or is it just like, I fucking hate you, and I can't hurt you any other way other than by just, like, fucking you up mentally? Because I understand in the Hugo, Victor Hugo one, I keep wanting to call him Hugo weeping. (laughs) I can see it. And I'm like, don't call him that! That's not the man's name! Um, Like, Quasimodo's um, disabilities are far more severe. So, I've seen people argue, and this is like a fucking choice argument, people are like, well, Frollo had to put him and isolate him in Notre Dame for Quasi's own safety. <laughs> Bitch, pardon me. That person has drank the Kool-Aid because that is exactly what Frollo tells Quasimodo, even in this movie. Yeah. Um, I read the book... The last time I read the book was in high school and it was an abridged version in French, so I can tell you exactly how much I remember of that. Yeah, yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Um I don't I don't know that there's another reason. I mean I would I would think, okay, so here I am, I'm trying to put on Frollo's thinking hat. The logic thinking hat. Which is, like weird triangle one with yeah, the like, with like the weird the little, little ribbon tail. at the end. Yeah. yeah. Um if No, it doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't make any sense to me because I'm over here like, why would Frollo not use Quasimodo as some sort of like horrific poster child? Because he doesn't want the people of Paris to know that he is associated with Roma. I guess, I guess that is, I guess that is, like, the it big undermines this whole thing. secret of his, right? Yeah. Like, oh, if, if they know that I'm not, like, on their side, so to speak. I mean, like, if is. I'm responsible, well, yeah, but if I'm responsible for him, people can interpret that as... being like, oh, well, you've got one in your family, that can't be all that bad. Yeah. yeah. Which, like, turns into something whole different when we talk about Esmeralda and Frollo. Yeah. Which is, yeah. like... Really fucking weird. Yeah. But anyway, this whole thing is just like it's isolation and then it's emotional ma- manipulation. Yeah. So, like, they do it in song to make it fun. Talk about how he is deformed and he is ugly. Yeah. And Frollo's the only person that he can trust in the entire city. Yeah. He tells him that, like, straight out. He's like, I, like, direct quote, I am your only friend. But then he turns around and he says that he's the only one that'll feed him, dress him. Um, who will look upon him without fear? Yeah. Like, Quasimodo has, I assume he's spoken with the archdeacon before, but maybe not. I mean, from what we see in the film, it's kind of easy to surmise that the church uses the part where Quasimodo lives as like storage. Yeah. I mean, I would assume the Archdeacon although, has spoken with Quasimodo at some point in Quasi's life, but I don't know what extent this isolation goes to. Quasimodo yeah. is the bell ringer. Correct. When Quasimodo was an infant, he could not have rung the bells. There had to have been somebody going up there to ring the bells. Uh, although we don't know if Quasimodo lived up there the whole time. Like, maybe he lived somewhere else right. in the church. Right. I just, like, it just, it, it breaks my heart because, yeah. like... There are people in that church every single fucking day. Like, throughout the whole movie, every time we see an interior shot of the downstairs, there's There's people in it. it. And so, the fact that, like, all Quasimodo wants to do is interact with another human being that's not Frollo. (laughs) And I mean, like, there's literally hundreds of people downstairs. Can't talk to them. It's illegal. It's like, it's like, very... Harry Potter, I'm going to be upstairs pretending, or making no noise and pretending I don't exist. Yeah, that's Quasimodo's entire life. It's very sad. Mm-hmm. It breaks my heart. And the gargoyles are basically Dobby, throwing cakes around and shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking up everything. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, don't harm or kill others. I mean, like he do. Well, yeah, he murders Quasimodo's mom. Yep. At one point when he's on the hunt for the the Roma... Esmeralda, especially he uh, um, is interrogating like a, a baker or a miller, the Miller family. Yeah, Miller. And they're in their house and they're like hiding some Roma or something. No, and they're not. Are they not? No, some, they. Some ha- people have been hiding Roma, and so he's convinced that the Millers are because it they doesn't have, matter if they are hiding Roma or not. They're like we're not hiding any, and he looks around and he can't find any. Yeah, and the, then the only thing he's going off of is he says that they have like a like a traveler's like a uh, like a like a symbol on their door. And the Miller says, "Like our home is always welcome to the weary traveler," which clearly means harboring fugitive Roma. Yeah, clearly. So let's like, burn like... this fucker to the ground. So yeah. So then he burns the fucking house down with people in it. With like the a people. P- he bars. Like... He bars the entire Miller family in it, and they've got like like it's not just like some fucking guy, which innocent and should not be burned alive. No, but it's his wife, and like they've got like an infant child. Yeah. And he bars them in and he lights the house on fire. After, well, first he tells Phoebus that he needs to set the house on fire. And Phoebus is like, um. Fuck no. No. (laughs) And he's just like, all right, well, this is an act of treason. Oh, yeah, he arrests Phoebus. And then he lights the house on fire with his own frail bones. Yeah. Because if you want to do something right, get something done right, you got to do it yourself. Yep. Clearly. And then Phoebus, like, bolts. Phoebus uh, saves the family. Yes. Frollo saves the family and then he and then he bolts and they bolts. shoot him and they try to kill him. Frollo doesn't shoot him because Frollo can't. It could not like use a crossbow probably. Um but his guard he tells his guards to shoot him which is essentially the same thing. Yeah, I mean it's an order, right? Yeah, Like he's they, he's signed that dotted line. Yeah. They shoot him and they think he's dead and whatever whatever whatever. Also I mean, this isn't in your notes, because your notes is uh, he straight up murders Quasimodo's mom and that's it. But um, he tries to kill all the Roma in yeah, Paris. Yeah. That's, well, I mean, and that's <laughs> kind of, like, the starting point here. So, like, right from the beginning, when we first meet him, he's talking with... Well, he's talking with Quasimodo, and then we see him talking with Phoebus at the Palace of Justice, which, like, one... That is both the cringiest and the most metal name I have ever heard in my life. It works in this, like, weird matrix of cringe and metal. Anyway, um, he refers to the Roma living in Paris as an infestation. Yeah, he illustrates it by, like, picking up this massive fucking brick. Yeah, again. At his palace. (laughs) Who knows what the fuck. Is going and on like there's ants movie. on it or something, and he crushes them all, like to make his point. Yeah, and he crushes them. He puts like the stone back down, and he like sw- like sw- like, sw- like swiggles it, and he like squishes all of them in the meantime. And he's just like, "Do I make my point clear?" He refers to their like the the there's like a Roma safe space. Yeah, Court and he, of miracles. He refers to it as their nest. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's oh, like so gross. some shit. And it, the whole thing we're calling the whole movie is filled with slurs. Oh my god, yeah. We're calling They're them not the called Roma. the Roma in the movie. <laughs> no. Um, and like it's I looking at this now with like a cultural studies perspective and also just like a identity politics perspective, the fact that Demi Moore, who is a white lady, um, is playing Esmeralda and continually uses that slur to refer to herself, I'm just like oh god yeah oh jeez. it's very clear that it wasn't written by no i mean clearly not but like it's just one of those things that like song of the south gets shit on all the time song of the south is like the movie that disney will like if someone's like hey disney what about song of the south they're like song of the what now who what you must be mistaken i don't know her but, like, this movie is literally just, like, slur yeah. after slur after slur. Yeah. And Disney's just kind of like, well, what do you want? Well, yeah, I don't think, yeah. Not as many people have called them out about it, I don't think. I mean, that's fair. But, like, it's just, it's just a choice. and Not a great choice. S- you know. It is a choice. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. There's just, like, that really sits uncomfortably in my heart of hearts. But yeah, I mean, we've got somebody who's pretty much hellbent on a mass genocide. At least in Paris. I mean, yeah, I understand that genocide is mass. Anyway. I'm like um, one of those singular genocides. Yeah. Um, I, I guess a murder. But <laughs> um, we've got somebody who's hell-bent on genocide. They want to kill everybody who's not complying with them. And then, like, as the cherry on top, and this isn't, like, a kill. This is a harm. The Archdeacon at the end of the movie is like, Frollo, I will not let you go up to see Quasimodo. Like, Quasimodo at this point has taken Esmeralda. She's about to be burned at the stake for witchcraft. Which, like, y'all can't see it, but I'm rolling my damn eyes. (laughs) And the Archdeacon blocks Frollo's way. And he's like, Frollo, you can't do this. You, like, you need to stop. This is an attack on Notre Dame. Frollo using his old man strength, <laughs> apparently, fucking flings the Archdeacon down a flight of stairs, and when we see the Archdeacon, his legs are like, they've gotta be broken. Yeah, he's just like, he's lying on the ground, looking like he's having trouble getting up. And, and I always expect him to be dead, just like fucking, for, uh... Frollo's mom. Or not, no, Quasimodo's yeah. mom, at the beginning of the movie. But he's not, he's alive, and like, but his legs are kind of bent weird, and it's like... He's old as shit. Like, something's broken, right? Yeah. He was old when Quasimodo's mom was murdered. Yeah. And it's been, like, 20 years. Although, so was Frollo, and apparently he's only gotten stronger. <laughs> well, because- The he... hatred fuels yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. The Archdeacon is full of love, and love is weak. Yeah. So, yeah. So, that's a big harm. Because, like, the Archdeacon can't do his thing anymore. Provided he even survives. Like, how do you fix, like, a broken hip And whenever- When does this movie take place? Uh, French revolution times? Which French Revolution? <laughs> Fair question. <laughs> um, I'm... Wait, hang on. We see Belle at the beginning of this movie. So it's, like, the French Revolution. Like, capital T-F-R Revolution. We see Belle at the beginning of the movie. So, like, the fucking magic carpet shows up at one point, maybe. Yeah, like, I, Yeah, I know, but <laughs> It doesn't matter. Um... Actually, it takes place in Agrabah. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> well, I would explain, like... Well, Frollo would have a much harder time killing all the brown people in Agrabah. He'd just be a lot busier. <laughs> well, no, I think he would be thrown out. Well, yeah, probably. <laughs> or in jail. Um, but anyway, uh, what it comes down to is this is like, the first three commandments, he's got like on lock. Yeah, he's, he's doing like, them all. He's like, I love this. This is my channel. <laughs> um, number four, don't abuse your spouse. He don't got no spouse. No. They so can't abuse one. That said, this is purely speculation, if Frollo was a married man, I have no doubt in my fucking mind that he would beat the shit out of oh, his he wife. Oh, absolutely would. Okay, don't commit infidelity. He don't got no spouse. He can't do infidelity. He can't do it. Yeah. Um, also, I was going to say, I don't think he could get it up, but he gets it up for Esmeralda. He sure fucking does. He has a whole song about his boner. Yeah. Which is the best Disney song <laughs> ever written. Fight me! <laughs> I, you, y'all are out there like, oh no, the best villain song is the mob song, or oh, it's poor unfortunate souls. Y'all, this movie You're putting words has... in people's mouths, first of all. Sorry, if your favorite is Be Prepared, it's also inferior to Hellfire. Because <laughs> um, here, here we are. I'm going to paint this picture for you. We are in a dark room with nothing in it except for a fireplace. This is the longest room ever, yeah, and there's cool. nothing in it except for a fireplace that is inexplicably on. What do you mean inexplicably? That's the whole point of the room. Of course the fire is going to be lit. <laughs> then he's singing at the fire in Latin at the beginning, and I'm like, oh my god, yes. And then he's talking about his boner, and then he's talking about how if she won't fuck him, he's going to kill her. She will burn, in fact. Yeah. He's not going to kill her any other way. he plans the burning her at the stake. Yeah. He's like, yeah. And at the at, at that point <clears throat> when she's at the stake, he's like, "I will let you live if you fuck me." And she's like, "No. Hard no. Fucking light me up, bitch." And uh he tries. He does. She doesn't get like burned, but she gets a lot of smoke inhalation. I want to point out that in the song also, they're at one point while he's being wrong and bad. Yeah. Uh there's a whole bunch of hooded figures that show up to sing along with him. And it's yeah. very extra. It is a great song. It's a wonderful song. You've got a you've got like some Gregorian chants. You've got shadowy hooded figures. You have an old man who definitely should not be able to get it up, but is singing about his boner. You've got like weird fire hallucinations going on in there. There is a, a, a line. That needs to be addressed, which is, uh, it's not my fault if in God's plan he made the devil so much stronger than a man. And I'm just like, Frollo, okay, you wanna play the devil is so much stronger than a man card? Please explain to me why you are committing a genocide. <laughs> that's all man made. I mean, his argument is probably that, like, they're humans and shit. I mean, that's almost exactly what it is. Yeah. But it's just like, I don't know. I just he's so shitty, so fucking shitty. Anyways, uh, do not use your addiction as an excuse for bad behavior. My note is addicted to power. I don't even know. Yeah, he doesn't have like an addiction. No, because from- like it's a Disney movie. Um, cause okay, so this is the weird thing too. Even smoke. No, this is the weird thing too. This is such a sanitized version of what I remember reading. Yeah. And at the same time, this is, I would still argue, this is, like, darker than The Black Cauldron. Yeah, it's super dark. Ah, there's just, yeah, there's just something about this movie that, like, we see, the only people we see drinking in this movie, like, alcohol, are the people who are at the Feast of Fools. Yeah. Hugo, Jason Alexander's gargoyle, aka me, smokes a hot dog like a cigar. I mean. (laughs) And that's it. That's it. There's nobody that's just else. that's like, a gag. Because yeah. I don't think you can actually do that. No, probably not. Did you? Oh, yeah, you I, did. I, I, no, no, I didn't have the end of it. I was just being J. 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 Jonah J. Jameson. Um, <clears throat> and I still haven't gotten those damn pictures. Of who? Of Spider-Man. Of course. So, okay.
1: I, so he, yeah, doesn't ha- he doesn't have he an He doesn't
0: have an addiction, really. He's, he's just, he's, he's, like, addicted to being a horrible person. And addicted to power. I would argue, but, like, it's, I don't know, it's like giving him an excuse. It's not an addiction, it's a choice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Do not be bad to your parents and family. We have no context for Frollo's upbringing at all. The closest thing that we see to him having somebody who's been in his life for a long time... Is the Archdeacon. Is the Archdeacon, because you see him in the beginning and 20 years later. Yeah, and the Archdeacon clearly does they not do. think... <laughs> they don't fucking he, get along. No, <laughs> but the Archdeacon clearly... Like, from the first time we see him, he's like, Frollo, what the fuck? Yeah, like, And he remains, like, Frollo, what the fuck <laughs> the whole time. Yeah, so... I mean, I understand this is also a Disney movie, so it's 90 minutes long. It is. But, like... We don't really get anything. There's no wife. There's no, like, we don't even see, like, the inside of his house, really. We see the hellfire room. We see the boner room. And we don't we even see, know where that like, takes like, the balcony. No. That's- we don't even know if that's in the Palace of Justice. Yeah. We don't know if he lives in the Palace of Justice or if he just We do also see there. outside of the room where he's, his interrogator is torturing somebody.
1: Yes. In the Palace of Justice.
0: It's not a very welcoming place. No. You would think that a place that is supposed to be, like, a courthouse, essentially, would be less tortury. No. No? Nobody likes going to a courthouse. No. I wouldn't say that that's torture, though. (laughs) I would think jury duty is more of an inconvenience than torture. (laughs) Um, Okay, so no parents or family to speak of do not lead a life of crime and i wrote five question marks four question marks he tries to commit a genocide that is a crime he is a judge and so therefore is not like doing your petty crimes like you're not gonna catch this guy fucking stealing or like dealing drugs but he does all like the big crimes where like he murders people and he beats people and he tries to stab his son with a dagger and a broadsword And a broadsword. Do you stab somebody with a broadsword? No, you just smack them with it. You slice them. Yeah. Like a fucking salami. Yeah. But like, I would also- salami with bones. I would also assume, and this is is like some Catholic- Shit. Shit. I would assume that if we're gonna talk about life of crime, we also have to talk about a life of sin. Oh, he's fucking sinning it up. He's- In her. uh, Yeah. He's doing all the murders. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And the lust- yeah, he's doing he's doing like the big ticket items. He's got the pride, he's got the lust, uh, he's got the wrath. Like It's not very slothful. He's got that going for him. Well no, I mean he's looking trim. He's I will say fucking, this. He's a busy man on the go. He like he gets shit done to some extent. But like none of it is good shit. No. Um, but like, in terms of life of crime, yes, the genocide is clearly illegal, maybe? This is the part that gets muddy for me because I don't know European history. Would this have been illegal? Uh, I mean, like, I would think that a culling of people is illegal. Well, I mean, the thing is is that he's just a fucking judge. Like, how much, like, lawmaking power does he have? Well, but this is the thing. We never see anybody above him. Yeah, he's... Like, everybody in town... It's like, oh, that's Frollo. He runs this show. Like, where's the mayor of Paris? Doesn't Paris have a mayor? Well, I don't because, know. Well, because, like, this is clearly in, like... Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, we've clearly got somebody in Versailles right now. Yeah, So, like, is that how it works? Versailles appoints somebody to, I like, take care of the town? I don't know that Disney thought that hard of them. no anybody who does French history, hit me the fuck up. I'm curious now. Who do I know who does European history? One of you's got to do it. Wikipedia. Yo. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't even think of that. (laughs) I just figured someone would be like, oh, I know about this because this is what I study. Um, Okay, so do not lead a life of crime like you do. At least in the eyes of God, he definitely does. Oh, yeah. A hundred, if not a million percent. Impossible. Uh, And then do not be a giant fucking liar. I just wrote he is. Yeah, he lies to Quasimodo constantly f- from the second he doesn't drown him. Pretty much, the last time he was honest with Quasimodo was when he told him he was a monster and thought he was going to drown him. I mean, like he kind of slips those digs at him anyway. Yeah. Um, so that he, I mean, <laughs> in fairness, I guess him being he, honest—he is honest. He's like, "Oh, you're deformed and you're ugly," and that's not a lie. Now, of course, <sighs> I am your only friend. Inaccurate. He tells him that his heartless mother left him on the church steps, and Frollo, in his generosity, took Quasimodo in. That's a lie that he tells to Quasimodo. Yeah, several times. And then later at the end, I feel like he tells him that he killed his mother. Yeah, oh yeah. You know, just to fucking be a dick. Yeah, he pulls, like, a Walter White moment, yeah. and he's like, I could have saved her, but I didn't. Okay. <laughs> not, not even I could have saved her. I could have, like, not pursued her on my horse. Yeah, on his murder her, horse. Like, and kicked her down a flight of stairs. This horse is terrifying, FYI. Yeah, like, it's, it's supposed to be. It's just, like, the horse is it's like one got of red fucking, eyes. Yeah, it's and, like, like, like one of the fucking horses that the Nazgul ride in fucking Lord of the Rings. Yeah, like, it's, it's, it's just unpleasant to look at. the horse. It's just the worst. So, yeah, don't be a giant fucking liar. He does that. He does he that. Lies. All right, so where are we now? We got number one, don't kill your kids. He, he tries. Yeah. Number two, don't abuse your kids. He does. He, does. he does. Don't harm your don't harm or kill others. He does that. Uh, he does not abuse a spouse or commit infidelity. He doesn't have an addiction. He doesn't be bad to his parents and family. Uh, he leads a life of crime and he is a giant fucking liar. So we're at five. Five out of nine. Not a great job. Not a great job. Though, considering he is... I'm seeing a pattern with, like, the the allegorically evil dads. And that's that there are some of the ones that they don't check off that I'm like, this is weird. Well, I mean... I, it... I kind of expected this to show up and it just doesn't. Which ones? Uh, Mostly the... Uh, Addiction as an excuse for bad behavior and the not being bad to your parents and family. But it's starting to show a pattern that, like, either that part is just completely omitted or they're too young when we first see them. That, like, we, like, with Anakin, we see him as a kid after. Yeah, all he, all all he has in, happens, in the world right? is his mom. Yeah. Why so, would he? So it's just, it's, it's interesting. Um, But there are, like, I mean, these are some heavy-hitting things. Yeah. I mean, I think every single one that we've had has been a liar. We haven't had a single dad that's, like... We don't have any honest dads. An honest but shitty person. Mm. Which, like, I know people like that, so I'm confused as to why that's not more... Well, I feel like there's certain things that are at the top of our list that if you're honest about them, you're probably not going to get a away with them for very long. True, like, the killing and the abuse. Yeah. I mean, I guess there are situations in which you'd be able to get away with them, depending on, like, who you're surrounding yourself with. Also but... in, like, time periods. Yeah. Because that's important. Um, like, if you're doing- if, if we're talking about a bad dad from, like, the 1600s, we're not gonna have, like, CSI come in and be like, oh, we figured it out in an episode. That's true. You know what I mean? Like, but also, like, murdering your children is looked down upon pretty much in any time period. True. That's true. Um, it's not a great thing to do. Also true. It's going to be interesting when we move further back in time and we look at um, the abuse angle of it, because pe- I, have, I have just, like, in my head, I can hear people being like, well, in the 60s, it was acceptable to hit your child. And it's like, was it? Was it acceptable? Or did you all just do it? I mean, that's it. Everybody did it. So they thought it was acceptable. But no kid was like, "Oh, no, this is right. This yeah. is how it should be." No You're kid, right. no kid, especially when they're being hit was like, "You know what? I absolutely deserve yeah. this." You're completely in the right, mother or father. Thank you for showing me the light. So like, I think there's there's definitely going to be like some discrepancies. Oh get in over that. Um, but yeah, bad dad. Yeah, he's a bad dad. So we Absolutely. got sexy scale and evil scale. This is from this is from Bookjack. I was gonna say, how <laughs> did the how did how did the two get there? So sexy scale for you. No. No, I mean he looks like Isma. He looks like Isma. He's acts worse than Isma. Yzma. No, Isma's at least entertaining. Isma's I would actually give Isma a higher sexy rating because she's voiced by Eartha Kitt. Yes, precisely. <laughs> um, yeah, no. it's a one from me. It's, it's, like, a, it's like a zero. It's like a, there's no zero on the scale. It's one to five. So it's like a, a it's, it's a, a one, one, but it's like a fucking barely a one. Yeah. It's like a zero point nine 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 repeating. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then evil scale one to five. Oh, he's very evil. Yeah, like, genocide. Yeah. There's a lot of genocide murder, happening. Murder. Uh, abuse. Like, those are all, like, pretty hardcore evil things. Mm-hmm. And if he could get Esmeralda, the shit he would probably do. Yeah. And the he, sanctioning of, like, torture of people. He's, 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 he's like, a five. He's a, five. He's he's a, a five. five. But, I mean, I think that works with Disney, right? Because Quasi, if you put him on the evil scale, he's, like, a zero. Quasi is nothing but a good person. Yeah. Um, he's aggressive with Phoebus, but I mean, like, he's also been abused his whole fucking life. So, like... And he's aggressive with Phoebus when he thinks that Phoebus shows up to harm Esmeralda. Yeah. And he's, like, no soldiers in here. Yeah. And he's, like, he's protecting like, sanctuary. her sanctuary. Yeah. So, like, realistically... And he also doesn't he doesn't hit him. He No, he grabs him by, like, the collar and, yeah. like, lifts him up. Yeah. He's possibly swing something at him, but he doesn't... Oh, he's got, like, a torch. Yeah. He's like, get out of here. Um, but like, especially when you put it in a Disney movie, like, you need to have somebody who's a five because, like, this is supposed to be a teaching moment. Yeah. But this movie is so out of whack that I, I can't even, like, say that this is a proper teaching moment. This is a muddied teaching moment at best. Yeah, well, I mean, there's all, like, the the... Statues on the the church, like, coming to life and, like, divine intervention shit at the end of the movie. Yeah. I it's like, what's happening? Yeah. I mean, we see the statues throughout the movie. And I just figured that it was going to be, like, a cool way for Disney artists to, like, interpret Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. Because, like, they do cool shit like that in sort of, like, the golden era. Like, uh, Ariel's, like little cavern like all the little trinkets and like even the oil paintings that are in that movie like those are all super detailed uh in beauty and the beast you got all like the baroque shit like that's kind of what i expected looking back at this that that's what we were gonna see right and then we get like this fucking weird hokey coming to life statue that like snarls at frollo yeah and it's dumb and then he's like, oh, the fear of God. And then he falls into, like, the fiery pit, which is clearly hell. Yeah. yeah. It's heavy-handed. It's... Yeah, and then somebody else pointed out, was it Rob? Rob points out later, he's like, where is all the lava? Yeah, at the end when, like, they come back out of the church. And everything's cleaned up, there's no and, destruction. And, like, the sun's out, and... The, the door that they have fucking rammed in at Notre Dame is fixed. Yeah. And this is all, like... It's not like, oh, this could have been over the next couple of days. No, like, no. no, no, no. This is like immediately after. And it's like 10 minutes after. And it's night when this is all happening, and now it's daytime for some reason. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of inconsistencies in this movie, and I'm sure that if we went back and watched everything as critically as we did this, that we would find those inconsistencies in everything. But, like, holy shit. That one's bad. Yeah. That- I mean, I get that it being, like, day type thing. It just shows the difference, right? Like, it's now it's bright and light. And yeah, yeah, Like, yeah. it makes sense, but also it makes no sense. Yeah, like, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's a lot. It's a lot to deal with. But I mean, again, it's a Disney movie. And while I don't like being super lenient with them, because for a lot of people, especially in our generation, they are so fundamental mm-hmm. to how we learn how to interpret media and literature. There is only so much you can do in 90 minutes. Yeah. And I was going to say there's only so much you can do in animation. You can do way more with animation than you can than do shit little animation real but life. If... But there still has to be it ha- first of all, it has to fit 90 minutes and it has to fit like a PG rating at worst. Yeah. And it has to be like like they're very heavy-handed with some of their shit because it's marketed towards children. Yeah weren't necessarily, like, media literate enough to get more subtle shit. Yeah, but, like, I mean, so you've got that, but then you've got, like, the quote-unquote subtle shit, which is Frollo singing about his boner in a dark room. Like... That wasn't subtle. No. (laughs) But, like, I feel like... But I feel like nothing in that movie is subtle. No, nothing is. That movie is a perfect example of Disney, like, Disneying itself. It's, like... It's the weird thing where, like, we've got all of this overtly sexualized racist content, but it's all weirdly sanitary. Yeah. It's just weird. It's a weird fucking movie. Yeah. Honestly, I would say that this is in the same league as Song of the South. For just, like, the fucking weird shit. The fucking choices that were made. Yeah, just, like, honestly, just from toe to tip, it is... It's a weirdo. I don't- Bizarre. Like, what was the choice? Like, like they looked at all of the media. They could have turned into a Disney movie. And they were like, ah. Victor Hugo's Hunchback of Notre Dame. That's yeah, yeah. I mean, and if you're thinking about, like- So, or what Notre comes Dame. after- What comes before that? That's honest right? We're going to cut out all of the shit about architecture. Which is all that he wanted to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> um- but no, so before this we have Pocahontas and That's a fucking choice. That's too. also a choice. Like Disney I don't know if Disney was like, ah, the nineties, a time where people of color are a thing in our films, which is great. Yeah. To have people of color in Disney films at that time is important. Yeah, but why would like, you pick stories that you're allowed to take from the cultures themselves? No, that's what I'm saying. Like, like you'd have to check in, obviously. Like, there are some going to be some, like, Native American, like, Powhatan stories that you're not allowed to have. But, like, well, like fucking... <laughs> but, I mean, like, the fucking Powhatan language at this point is nearly extinct. Yeah. There's only, like, 60 to yeah. 120 words that we still have in Powhatan. Like, and then you turn around and name Pocahontas' dad Powhatan. And it's like, this is, like... I get the homage, but, like, at the same time, kind of fucking inappropriate. Like, what the hell? Yeah. And then, I mean, again, you've got Esmeralda, who is Roma. She's not considered a Disney princess. She's not considered, like, a safe, quote, uh, giant air quotes here, leading lady because she is so sexualized. But now you've played into that stereotype. And then also you have... All the other people in this movie, except for Quasimodo and Phoebus, who want to murder her people. You're telling me you couldn't have thought of a better way to incorporate the Roma people into a Disney movie? No, that's the only way you could do it. Come on now. I mean, really? Like, I don't know, honestly, very much, if anything at all, about the culture of the Roma people. But they've gotta have stories. (laughs) I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, Like, holy shit. And it's just it's choice after choice, honestly. Because mm-hmm. what comes after this one, Hercules, right? I don't know. I don't have the timeline laid out in my I'm head. Pretty I'm pretty sure in high school anymore. I'm pretty sure those it's Hercules. Were I'm pretty sure it goes Pocahontas, then Hunchback of Notre Dame, and then Hercules. And then Hercules catches huge flack because Alan Menken uses gospel music in the score. And I'm just like, Disney, you have had at least. Three movies to figure this out. Yeah. I mean, granted, eventually they start figuring things out a little bit less horribly. But, like, there are still some fucking there's choices that are of, made. There's a lot of mistakes that are happening. It's just, it's disappointing. Anyway, that's my gripe with Disney, apparently. But, well, I mean, we were talking about the other day, going back to the beginning of the 90s. Um, Aladdin... Uh huh. That's not a Middle Eastern story. Right. <laughs> That's a Chinese story. Right. And so, oh my God, yeah. And then, <laughs> so you've got and there's so many Middle Eastern stories that you could have used. So many. And think about like like what a storytelling people. Because okay, because <laughs> like because like, cause like Agrabah, From what I've read from like Middle Eastern cultural studies papers, especially to do with like Disney scholars. Agraba is a weird place because it incorporates tiny bits and pieces from Middle Eastern cultures in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. But then the fucking opening number talks about how they cut off your ear if they don't like your face. It's barbaric, but hey, it's home. So it's like, these are conscious decisions that are being made to like really amp up how barbaric... The yeah, Middle well, East is, the right? The thing is, is that, again, none of these movies are made for the audiences that they're taking stories from. Right. Like, Aladdin's not made for a Middle Eastern audience. It's mm-hmm. made for a Western audience. It's made for Americans. Yeah. As yeah. I was reading something about, um, Mulan, mm-hmm. and, I don't know, there was some, uh, s- symbolism that somebody took in the, the fan. That keeps showing up in Milan, like, at the end of the movie, when she's got, like, all she has left is a fan, and the bad guy is like, oh, you're all out of tricks, and then she fucking gets his sword with the fan. Yeah. And they're like, fans are typically, like, somebody was talking about how fans are seen typically as, like, a feminine Mm -hmm. tool, and then somebody else who's Chinese showed up and was like, no, fans, especially the ones that they used, are masculine or gender neutral. And they're like, but it's not, like, in Chinese culture, but it's not about Chinese culture, it's about, like, the fan culture of, like... The southern states uh-huh. and how those are feminine. Uh-huh. So it's just, it's wild. It's, it's. Disney uses recognizable things from the cultures they're taking, they're using for their stories and making them so that it's not about them at all. Right. And. and it's fucking wild. I think we see that garnering some success because look at the Emperor's New Groove. I mean, apart from the fact that. You know that the city of Cusco is in Peru, which maybe some people don't. But, like, the fact that you have sort of an Incan, Aztec, Southern American aesthetic to the movie. Like, this weird mishmash of all these cultures. It's an American movie. Yeah. Like, Cusco has Cuscotopia, Topia. Complete with water slide. That's American. <laughs> that is American. That is purely American. Like, Isma has Kronk carrying her around as like a taxi. Yeah. Also very American. Yeah. You've got well, I mean, I'm not wondering that it has to be. I don't know. I no, just... no, no. But <laughs> I'm, I, I'm. Oh, I'm agreeing with you because like, even the fact. So we see Kronk in that movie as very masculinely built, but he's very feminine because he's like in touch with nature and he cooks and he cries and he's like subservient to Yzma. And that's what coded... he sleeps with a teddy bear. He's got like, yeah, like just Kronk is a perfect example of that. He hangs because... up with the kids when they're at uh Pacha's house. Yeah. He's coded as all of these different American things women, but he looks like a South American man. And it's supposed to be funny. Like, the joke is that he's very feminine. It's not a very good joke. I mean, no. Also, I like, like, I love Kronk. Kronk's the best one there is. But, like, I mean, it's Pacha's just, it's John Goodman, so he's got my vote, but... <laughs> <laughs> now great! Now I'm picturing Pacha riding around on the fucking tricycle. <laughs> <laughs> you have to imagine that with every single John Goodman character ever created. <laughs> oh, no. I hate that we yeah. watched that Cloverfield movie. It's the worst. It was great. It was a great movie. Anyway, but you see what I'm saying, right? Like, yeah, everything... I mean, of course it's going to be very like American coded. I just, I don't know. It's fucking sketchy. It is. It's, it's definitely sketchy. And, and like, like, it's an American company and I get it. What we need really, realistically, is we need to see more movies that are... From other, other places. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's it's choices. That's what it comes down to. It comes down to choices. If Disney chose to hire different writers, different actors, different designers, uh, different researchers, we'd have different movies. Mm-hmm. But they don't. I, they don't. And it comes down to the great fucking nepotism circle jerk, who knows who, and that's how every company works. No. I can't even, like, shit on Disney specifically no, for that. That's, that's because industry that's industry, period. That's how every industry works. Yeah. So, I mean, what, what probably needs to happen is it would be interesting to see what sort of content smaller production companies are making that are predominantly people of color. And if that garnered enough attention, how that would compete – Against a titan like Disney. Except (laughs) it wouldn't. Disney would buy them. Disney would buy them. And then (sighs) split them all up. Disney is evil! Yeah. Anyway, that's our rant on Disney. Yeah. So, okay. Back to the podcast, I guess. I Uh, mean, it's over. We finished it. We just... Yeah. We do the whole podcast and then we rant about something at the end. Seems to be sort of what's happening. Yeah. Well, that's it. I think. Yeah, thanks for joining us at the Bad Dad Club here. Yeah. I'm Ariana. I'm Jess. And I guess we'll see you next time. Hopefully sooner than it was this time. Yeah, hopefully. (laughs)